This message is a product of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. We thank you for engaging this conversation. Messages like this one are great resources to help us grow, but they cannot replace being a part of a local church. If you're not actively a part of a church, we encourage you to find one near you that fits you, visit it, and get involved. And we hope this message gives life to you today. Enjoy. Brand new series called Die Vested. And I'm going to be preaching this message. And if you'll let me today, I believe I'm going to help you. And I think that what I'm going to be able to do for you today is not just help for this moment. It's, it's literally rescue and help outside of this moment that's going to transform. If you'll let it, it'll transform your heart and the way you're living. Next week, one of my overseers, I have a board of five pastors from across the country that help oversee me. One of my overseers is going to be with us. His name is David Payne. David's brilliant. I mean, a phenomenal mind. He, uh, his undergraduate degree is in math. I mean, who majors in math? I barely got a C in math. He's brilliant. And pastors an amazing church in Sutton, Massachusetts called Life Song. Life Song, if you, if you know anything about church landscape, one of the top 25 fastest growing churches over the last five years. Brilliant. Brilliant communicator, brilliant thinker. He's going to be here next week. Then the next week, and another one of my overseers, Eric Parton. Eric is who I want to be when I grow up. I mean, he is, he's like, Pastor Dan Stahlbaum is, is my pastor, my spiritual father. Eric's kind of like my spiritual big brother, all right? He, he's an adopted grandparent to my kids. He loves us, prays for us, serves us, and he's going to be here. He's hilarious, all right? So Eric... Uh, in his early 20s, when most of us go to college, Eric went to New York City and worked as a stand-up comedian. Okay, that's just, he's a phenomenal communicator, and I'm excited about what that's going to mean for us. I want you to be here for that. And then for the first, I'm announcing this today for the first time. We're excited about this. Some of y'all have been going, all right, we've been here. We know the ebb and flow of a year. Where is that the movies? And so I want you to, we're going to be in this series throughout this month, but we're doing Christmas at the movies this year. I mean, it, it's going to be fun. You, you might show up one Sunday, and I'm, I'm just going to say, there might be an RV parked outside with a strange uncle, okay, or cousin <laughs> outside. You don't know what's going to happen in the month of December. We're going to have a lot of fun at the movies. And I'm telling you all this because I want you to get ready. I want you to invite some people. I want you to invite some people to come to church with you. And you might be thinking, well, why is that really important? I know we talk about that. And you encourage us to do that. But is that really important? You know, I was reading this, this week just a simple survey of how people get in church. People like you, how did you actually get to attending church? 2% of people who were surveyed said we got here by church marketing. That's Facebook ads, mailers, on-screen ads in a movie theater for us, movies, posters, all this kind of stuff that we do. 6% of the people came because they were invited by a pastor or staff member. I think this is one of the reasons small churches stay small because in small churches, everybody expects the pastor to do all the work. Hey, you're the one. You're supposed to be inviting people. But if you look statistically, only 6% of the people who are sitting in churches got there because the pastor or staff member invited them to get there. 6% because of an organized outreach by the church. All right, this, this is serve day, prayer walk. 86% of people who are in church 
say that they're there because friends and family invited them to come. This is not, that's not just majority. That's almost whole, okay? And, and, and you might, okay, that's, that's good, Kevin. I get that I have a role to play. But when I was reading about this, right now, among all church-going people, one-third of the people who are in church and confess Jesus as their Savior say that there is a direct link between their conversion and a personal invitation from somebody. In other words, a third of all Christians in the world say that they became a Christian because somebody invited them and they showed up and gave their life to Jesus. It matters. And here's why I'm telling you all this. We're teeing the ball up real high for you. All right? We're getting it ready. The next few weeks at Vortex are going to be as good as we can possibly make it for you. It's going to be worth inviting somebody to come here, Pastor David, to come here, Eric, to come be a part of At The Movies. You're not going to want to miss it for you, but your friends and your family, they need to be here too. So we're going to get started with today. I'm serious. If you'll let me speak into your life today. This message could transform the way you think about your life. I'm thinking, uh, as we start, really got to deal with not just the term divested, but the term investment. Because we think about our lives in terms of investment, don't we? Invest, simple definition. It's a verb. It's to put resources into something that produces an increase. And I'm going to define that for you today. Resources being financial resources, okay? Time, attention, affection. We put our resources into something and we put it there to expect and experience an increase. This is why investing by nature is different than just giving. When I give, I don't expect a return. Investing is, I put my resources there and I expect a return. We, we do this all the time. We invest financially, don't we? We got a 401k. I'm buying some stocks. All those different ways that we can invest. And we're invested financially. This is probably how, how many of us think about financial investment. Or just about the term investment. It's, it's, fun, it's the, the financial model of it. And I'm going to say this. I'm going to come back to it throughout the entire message. When it comes to money, money is often either a gift or a God. It's one of those. And I'm going to challenge you to think about practically what it has been for you. Because I think sometimes we're saying, we're saying and I, can't, I can't be invested in that because I don't have the money for it. And what's saying yes or no? Money. Money's either a gift. I need to see money as a gift from God. God has blessed me with it. Now, I'm a steward. I'm a manager of it. I'm going to be obedient to God. I'm going to do what God asks me to do. You need to learn to take care of your money. If you're struggling, if there's always more month than you got money, okay? We, we've got a program for you. It's called Financial Peace. 
Well, it, just around the new year, we're going to start that. Once you hear about financial, we're going to give you a plan. We're going to help you understand how to budget. We're going to give you some baby steps towards financial health. We want that for you. We invest, okay? We invest financially, but that's not the only way. We invest emotionally. Y'all ever got mad at a TV show because the season finale happened and you wanted to know what was going to happen next? Get invested emotionally. I want you to see this today. Your heart has a flow to it. Your heart has, there's flow coming out of your heart. Love is something that you give. We all too often think of love as affection or attention. Love is something that we give away, which is why we need to be careful about where we get invested emotionally. We've been there. Emotionally invested. That's not the only way. Number three, we get invested socially. This is, let let me just talk about, this is time. Okay, we give our time away. I'm, I'm coming to see this, that time and presence are perhaps the most valuable commodity we have today. I can make some more money, but I can't get that time back. I'm so glad I'm not dating today. <laughs> Anybody in here glad? I mean, I, I, there's a phenomenon that's uh, very uh, apparently very real when it comes to dating today. It's called being ghosted. You, 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 you date somebody and you, you add them on social media and you start texting and you go out on a few dates and then all of a sudden, without any provocation, no warning, they, they, you're deleted and blocked on social media. Your number is blocked. It's as if that person that you are interacting with became a ghost and the thing is some of us have experienced that in life in friendships that we thought we were we were so invested in and we'd spent so much time and then all of a sudden just like that that person shuts the door and walks away i think that's why it hurts because of how 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 our time had been invested in it we number four we invest by serving We invest by serving. We we give our lives away to serve a cause, to serve a person, to to serve in the kingdom of God. Some of us in this room, a room this size, there's some of us that are going, I ain't going to serve nobody. Serve. I ain't going to do that. I want you to hear me. You will serve something. You will. So many people working for that boss and I'm not going to do this for another man. I'm going to go, I'm going to start my own business. I'm going to do this for myself. Only to find out all of a sudden that their boss is their client. You serve somebody. It might be yourself. It might be a cause. It might be a relationship. And I want you to hear what I'm about to say. If you're too big to serve, you're too small to lead dads in the room let me just say this the bible is so clear in ephesians chapter 5 that the way we lead our family is by serving them and putting them first that if dad ain't happy ain't nobody happy ain't that's not a biblical idea husbands love your wives love your family the way christ loved the church he was willing to lay his life down you got to serve Number five, 
As I was praying about this, I want to really share this. We are invested ideologically. And that's a big word, and I want to spend a moment explaining that. This is the ideas that we believe in. It's our belief system. Every person in this room is invested in what they believe. This is why we have to inspect what we believe. We've got to look into it and understand it. Because there's some principle. Some of us just think, well, belief is just, you know, we, that's why we go to church. We want to make sure our kids are growing up in church and they're learning the golden rule and they're learning all these other things. But we walk out of here and we act a different way. Okay, y'all listen to me. Beliefs become behaviors. Beliefs become behaviors. If you're a manager and you're dealing with the employees, and you got that guy that's always showing up to work late, always 15, 30 minutes late, never there on time. That's not a behavior issue. That's a belief issue. You don't just work with the... Be- and this is why parents, I tell you, parents, this is really important. You don't parent behavior. You parent hearts. I can manipulate with rewards and consequences to get the behavior I want from my kids. Duct tape works real good, y'all. It does. But if all I'm worried about is the behavior, I miss the heart. Beliefs matter. And we've got to spend some time actually looking into them. We, we are invested in what we believe. And the thing about investment, investment is just a huge factor in the way that we understand our lives. And what you're going to see as we go to the text today, that God wants us to be eternally invested. Matthew 6. I don't want to go there yet. Don't put the scripture up. This is in the Sermon on the Mount. The, the, the longest consecutive teaching of Jesus recorded in the Gospels. And in this teaching, Jesus is trying to change people's minds. You think you understand, but let me, I'm going to show you this from a different perspective. I want you to see it in a different way. You've heard that you should not commit adultery, but I say that if any man has looked lustfully on a woman, he's already committed adultery in her heart. You thought you understood. Let me show you it in a different way. You've heard, do do not commit murder. But I tell you that if anybody hates his brother or his sister, he has already committed a, a murder in his heart. You thought you understood it, but let me show you this in a different way. In Matthew 6, beginning in verse 19, Jesus is going to do this again, and this time he's going to do it with financial resources. He's going to do it with treasure. So I want to go to this passage of Scripture. Matthew 6. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths or vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart is will be also. And leave that up there for a second. In the same light as Jesus has been throughout the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, you think you understand it. 
I want you to see this from a different way. You thought you understood adultery. You thought you understood murder. In this moment, he's trying to show us that we thought we understood investment. Do you see how he starts it off? Do not store up treasure on earth. Do not store. Why is Jesus saying that? Why is he saying it? Why does Jesus begin this very simple instruction? Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. It's because we're consistently and perpetually tempted to store up for ourselves treasures in this life. We are often too invested in temporary things. He juxtaposes in this passage the earth and heaven. The place where things are temporary and the place where things are eternal. Don't store up treasures on earth. Store up treasures in heaven. And what you see is this is so important. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. There's a a component of investment that we've got to see today when it comes to us. We invest our treasure where we find our treasure. The place in your life that you have ascribed as the great treasure for you is where you willingly give your time and your money and your service and your attention and your affection. And it doesn't mean that those are bad things. But I I think as we look at this passage, we see Jesus wants us to be invested in eternity. There's too many of us that are heavily invested in temporary things. Jesus wants us to be invested in eternity. He wants us, listen, He wants us to be invested into, in a way in our lives that, that brings life. Because when you're invested in temporary things, here's what it happens. It's always going, it's going to bring disappointment. You've been there. I I thought when I got that, I would finally be satisfied. I thought when that person liked me, when I got married, when I finally moved into that house, when all of that, when it finally happened, I thought that this big giant hole inside of me would be filled, but it wasn't. God wants us to invest our lives in a way that brings life. Let's go back through that. God wants you to be financially invested in eternity. This does, this is not wholly about your money, but it is about the way that we deal with money. And financially, the plan from the very beginning has been that God's people would choose to be generous. Go all the way back to the garden. What happened? God said, here's the garden, but those trees are mine. Don't eat that fruit. In other words, there's a portion of what you've been given that belongs to God and should be returned to God. And this principle begins to emerge throughout the Bible over and over and over again. It's called tithing. And it's not an amount. It's a percentage. It's 10%. That's why a tenth is a tithe. So you fast forward to Jesus. Jesus goes round and round with the Pharisees, a very religious group of of teachers and pastors who overtly have wandered away from God. 
And he's talking in Matthew 23 about how they deal with their finances. Look at what he says. You are careful to tithe, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law. Justice, mercy, and faith. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. Please leave this verse up there because I've got to explain a few things that are here. I, I, I know that there's a real covert belief that's being asserted within our culture that tithing is not New Testament, it's Old Testament. Look at what Jesus just said it. You should tithe. Okay? But his complaint against the Pharisees is not that they're not tithing. It's like, look, you're, you're so careful in doing this, but you neglect the more important aspects of the law. Justice, mercy, and faith. For many of us, our perception on generosity is the ceiling is the tithe. I'm going to work to get there. Maybe one day I'll get there. I don't know. But if you see for Jesus, that's not the ceiling. It's the floor. This is where it starts. This is, yeah, of course you should tithe. But don't neglect the other things. And he gives you three things that are apparent in the law. Justice, mercy, and faith. You need to be invested in those. What, is, what does justice mean? Justice means there are things that are wrong in the world that financially I need to be invested in making it right. This is why as a church, when we look at what we give away, one of our big international missions goals is to work with kids, especially kids that are in poverty around the world, and to make sure that they're getting fed. We feed thousands of kids every single day. Why? Because a kid did not earn the position of being in a family that can't afford to feed them. And it's justice to make sure that they have access to food. Mercy is different. Mercy is I deserve punishment, but you've done something that helped me through it. This is why, again, we give thousands of dollars to support crisis pregnancy centers for young women that find themselves pregnant and don't know what to do. That's mercy and faith. Can I just say this? For some people, 10% is easy. I know for some of us it's hard. It's a leap of faith to say, I'm going to give 10 But for some of us, what real faith looks like is taking a step beyond that. Faith should always be an aspect of the way that you deal with your money. Obeying God with the resource that he's blessed you with. So we need to be invested eternally, financially. Number two, I want you to see this. God wants us to be emotionally invested in eternity. I'm going to say something that's probably going to hurt your heart a little bit. Some of us have cried over fictional characters on TV shows more than we've cried over the lost and broken in our own families. Why is that? Because we're more emotionally invested in it. Jesus, what did he say? Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We've given our treasure to that TV show. 
And what some of us need to do is we need to get on our face before God and start spending some time praying over those that are broken and lost in our family. And all of a sudden, what will happen is your heart will begin to move towards that. We need to be emotionally invested in eternity. Number three, God wants you to invest your time in eternal causes. It's too easy to try to invest our time in the things that serve us. Well, that doesn't bring me joy anymore. I'm not finding a return on that investment. Whatever it is, if you look at most people, the way we spend our time is we're spending our time trying to build our own kingdom. In, math, in Mark chapter 8, Jesus said, What will you gain if you own the whole world, but you destroy yourself? What could you give to get back your soul? Nothing. That's the implied answer there. What would it be for you? Gain? If you gain the whole world, but you lost your family but you lost your, your own heart, your emotions, your soul. What good would it be for you? It'd be no good. We got to learn to give our time away to things that matter eternally. Number four, God wants you to serve to make an eternal difference. God wants you to serve. And the truth is, is that you're going to serve whatever you worship. Whatever is your God, you're going to move when it says move. You're going to jump when it says jump. You're going to bow when it says bow. I told you earlier that money will either be viewed as a gift or as a God. This is exactly what Jesus says just a few verses later. Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot, look at where he's going. You cannot serve both God and money. And for some of us, money's calling the shots, not God. We're saying, no, I, I know God says to do that, but I can't do that because I don't have enough money. I know God said, No, I'm telling you, you got you to choose what you're serving. And we need to serve in such a way that our lives are being laid down to make an eternal difference. And number five, look at this. God wants you to have an eternal ideology. He wants your belief system, the way that the ideas within your mind and your heart are formed together to value eternity. God wants His followers, His believers to, to look and to value eternity more than we value the temporary. This is why it is so broken that so many of us have cried literal tears over fictional characters on a TV show that died more than we've cried over the lost and broken in our own families. It's, an, it's a belief issue. Remember, beliefs shape behaviors. And while we often confess eternity as a priority, our behaviors betray us. And our behaviors often show that we value this world more than the next. What did Jesus say? Do not store up treasure here on earth. Store up treasures in heaven. This is what I want you to see. 
this is divesting, okay? Divesting, let, let me give you a simple explanation. It's a verb. It's to withdraw an investment so that those resources can be reallocated to another investment. I'm going to get out of this one over here. I'm going to stop giving my money there. I'm going to stop putting my time there. I'm going to withdraw from that so that I can invest in this. So here's the main point for this series. We need to be divested in the temporary so that we can invest in the eternal. We need to be invested in the eternal. But for many of us, we're so stretched. We're so, we're so thin. Our resources are already, I don't have more time. I don't have more money. Investing in the eternal, right? That's financially, emotionally invested with our time, serving my beliefs. I need to be invested in the eternal. Why is it that God wants to orient our hearts around something that will last. There's a simple answer in the book of James chapter four. It says, what is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. James is saying, you are a warm breath on a cold morning. In 50 years, for many of us, our names will barely be uttered. And we have to understand that there's something more important than this temporary moment. God wants to orient our lives towards eternity and it's all to protect us. I'm only here for a moment, but I've got forever with him in heaven. I'm only here for a moment. This is going to pass away. This is fading away. I'm, I mean, get a hundred years from now, nobody's going to be talking about me. But I've got forever with Jesus in eternity. Why? So think about this. Why do we need to talk about divesting from our investments here on earth. It's so simple. Our resources are finite. We are not God. We do not have infinite resources. We have a finite amount of time, a finite amount of money. We have a finite amount of affection and care and attention. And I've got to make sure that they're put in the right place. And if you're like me, you hear a message like this and you're like, I don't even have more time. I don't have more money. How am I going to do that? That's why this is so, what Jesus is saying is so important. We must divest so that we can invest. I got I to gotta pull my time and my attention and my care and my finances out of this world so that I can put them into what is eternal. I've got to make some wise decisions about where to dive. God, where am I right now that you didn't tell me to be? Where am I putting my time and my energy and my care and my affections and the money you've blessed me with? God, where am I putting it that doesn't honor you? Because I've got to get it out so that I can put it in a place that's investing it for eternity. 
Can I walk you just through, through three simple statements about divesting in the temporary? And the first one is an investment strategy. Our greatest treasure needs to be eternal. And the reason that some of us struggle with this is our greatest treasure is temporary. We care more about our homes and our cars and our clothes than we do about the souls of our neighbors. It is okay to enjoy temporary things. It's okay. 1 Timothy 6.17, Paul writing to his young protege, Timothy. Listen, God has given us all this to enjoy. You can enjoy it, but it cannot be your greatest treasure. You can go on a vacation with your family. Do it. Have a good time. Make some memories. You can wear nice clothes. You can drive nice cars if you can afford it and it's not putting you in debt. But listen to me. Those things cannot be your greatest treasure. Our greatest treasure needs to be eternal. Look at what Jesus said when he wraps this up. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We need to, what our treasure flows to what we treasure. And we've got to make sure that consistently we're reorienting our hearts to treasure the eternal more than the temporary. You can enjoy this life but your heart needs to be invested in eternity. Number two, which is a really important thing for this week, we need to divest from temporary beliefs. If you're like me and you reflect over your life and you look at the things that you've gotten arguments about and you, you, you've gotten so mad at people with and it just you go through all this stuff, temporary Beliefs. Have you ever noticed how invested people get in temporary things? I mean, sometimes it's just the way that culture views a certain thing in an era. Take, for example, alcohol. If you walked back over the last hundred years, the way culture views alcohol has changed over and over and over again. There were times it was absolutely from the devil. And there were times it was very permissible to the point that there was no conversation about the consequences. We need to be people who do not anchor the way that we believe and understand this world in what culture is saying about things. We need to anchor it in God's eternal word. Politics is a great example of temporary beliefs. We're, we got an election coming up in two days. Y'all listen to me. Christians, you need to vote, okay? You vote, you need to get out, you need to vote. You, you know the candidates, you know their platforms, you pray over it, ask God, who am I voting for? God, pray until you don't have an opinion about it. Pray, and then go vote. But there's so many people who in this world right now, people know more about your politics than they do about your faith, and that's an issue. That's an issue. I mean, literally, walk, get, just inform yourself. Take the things you care about right now and walk over the last hundred years and look how the political parties have shifted their platforms over and over and over to coddle people into their corner. It's temporary. It's temporary. 
And there's just stuff that we think we understand situationally because we walk through a little something. The funniest thing, and this is so funny, I probably shouldn't say this because I'm a guy, is to my, when my wife was pregnant. Every, the, the thing about pregnancy is pregnancy is a common experience among women. And because you've been through it and it went a certain way for you, you can give advice based on your experience. But that doesn't make it true. And so women give a lot of advice about pregnancy. And what it is is perspective. This is what I believe based on what I've went through. We've all got experiences, but that doesn't make it true. Y'all listen to me. We have to divest from temporary beliefs so that we can invest in eternal ones. This is why some of us need to, we need to withdraw that investment in our politics and put it into our faith. Because what's happened is we've allowed this to be where we're camping out, where we're believing, where we're hoping, and we need to be over here invested eternally in our faith. And this is really, that, that whole, I need to divest out of a temporary so that I can invest in the eternal, is so evident in this next point. We need to be invested in eternal identities. There is so much about the world that we live in right now that is coming after your identity, who you are, especially if you're a young person. The attack on the, the family as an institution, attack on the, the good identity that we have out of our ethnicity, the families of origin that we come out of. Coming after you to try to erode it and take it away. Temporary identities are identities that only matter now. They, they, they don't matter forever. It's not who I really am. It's who I am right now. And I will say what I said again. We must divest so that we can invest. I got to withdraw that investment so that I can invest in who I really am. Who am I really? As a follower of Jesus Christ, I'm a son or daughter of the king of the universe. That's my identity. That's one that will last beyond my last breath. It's something that defines who I am today. I have access to the king of the universe. I am not limited to my resources, my presence, or my power. God is bigger, and I'm his son. That's my identity. But one of our greatest temptation is to create and craft identities out of our struggles. Oh, yeah, I'm... I'm not good at that. That's who I am. I'm the girl that always, I'm not good. What is that? What is that? That's not who you are. That's who you are right now. But if I read the Bible right, God's bigger than whatever struggle you have. And your struggle today, I hope in your struggle in 10 years. God's bigger than that. He's a God that heals. He's a God that saves. He's a God that rescues. Here's the thing about God. God sees your struggle, but he calls you by your identity. He calls you son. He calls you daughter, but your enemy knows your identity, but calls you by your struggle. It's temporary. You're not an addict. You're not a divorcee. 
You're not ADHD. You are a son or daughter of the king. Now look at this verse again. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I want to show you why God is doing this. I, I, I want you to see the why behind the what. The what is I've got I've to divest from the temporary so that I can invest in the eternal. I want you to see the why. There's a direct connection between where your heart is and where you invest your treasure. A direct connection. There is a connection between those two. Which means... There's a connection between the condition of your heart and your investment of your heart. The investment of your life is going to lead inevitably to the condition of your heart. So go to what Solomon said in Proverbs chapter 4. Above all else, look at this, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. I told you earlier, our hearts have a flow to it. Love, affection, attention coming out of my heart. There's a flow to it. Do you notice what he said? Go back to that verse. Everything flows from it. The way you parent flows out of your heart. The way you treat your spouse flows out of your heart. The way you deal with money flows out of your heart. The way you pray over your neighbor, lead your business, deal with that tension, navigate that reason. All of it flows out of your heart. And so Solomon's like, you've got to guard that thing. You've got to keep some stuff out of it. And you've got to orient your heart to the right thing. It's so important. Why? Because it impacts everything. It's going to impact your family. It's going to impact your money. It's going to impact everything in your life. So put them together. Guard your heart above all else. Solomon, wisest man to ever live outside of Jesus. For everything you do flows from it. Jesus, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Oh, this is so helpful, y'all. Divesting is what enables you to guard your heart. This is the how you guard your heart. Some of us are eat up with fear and worry and anxiety and stress and doubt. And it's not because we have a physiological condition. It's because of where we've invested ourselves. We're invested in this world, in this life, and this life is only going to lead to more stress, more anxiety, more doubt. But when I'm invested in the eternal as a son or daughter of Jesus Christ, y'all listen to me, something changes in here. If you'll divest from this world, it'll change your heart. It'll change your heart. You gotta step back and go, where do I find my greatest treasure? Where? Why? Because where we find our treasure is where we invest our treasure. And where I'm investing my treasure is where my heart is going. And I want you to see this. This is where Jesus is going all along. 
Our greatest treasure has a name. It's Jesus. Listen, there's nothing wrong with doing good at your job, but your job ain't going to save you. It's a good thing to look at your kids and say, I want to be the best possible parent that I can be, but your kids are not going to save you. You can manage your money all day long, get as much as you want in the bank, but one day that money's going to somebody else because it can't save you. There is only one thing that can save your life, and that's Jesus Christ. And that's not for forever from now. That's for right now. When our hearts are oriented into eternity, we've got to divest from the temporary so that we can invest in the eternal. All along, it was God's plan. And today, I'm praying that you see where in your life you need to begin to make changes to be obedient to Him. Thanks for listening. This podcast has been a production of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information on our church, we encourage you to visit us online at vortexchurch.com.